0: Turn again in your Bibles to John chapter 14, John chapter 14 and verses 16 and 17 especially. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, for it beholdeth him not, neither knoweth him. Ye know him, for he abideth with you, and shall be in you. The Lord Jesus Christ, shortly before he was betrayed, tried, crucified and died upon the cross, prepared his disciples with this instruction in the upper room. And this instruction prepared them not only for what they were shortly to see in Christ's humiliation coming to its culmination, at Calvary but the Lord Jesus Christ was preparing his disciples for even the resurrection and what would happen subsequent that with Christ ascending on high ascending to the right hand of God the Father almighty and there sitting down and part of that preparation and part of the instruction that Christ gave in preparing his disciples for his departure was the coming, the gift, he says, of another comforter. One who is one with Jesus and the Father but one who is another comforter distinct from the Father and the Son. And this comforter he says is the spirit of truth. What was Necessary for Christ's disciples to hear what instruction was necessary for them to be ready for life between the cross and the consummation, and the same instruction that is necessary for us for our lives as Christ's disciples between the cross and the consummation between the empty tomb and Christ's coming again, what's necessary for us is to know that we have been given another comforter from the Father and the Son has come the Spirit of Truth who is with us, indeed, who abides with us, and who is in us. He abides with us as an assembly of Christ's disciples, and he abides in us, each one of us, as Christ's. Disciples, And this is vital for us to know precisely because the world in which we dwell between Christ's death and his coming again, between his resurrection and the consummation, the world in which we live is a world that does not know him, a world that does not behold him. A world of unrighteousness and sin. A world that is contrary to Christ spiritually. But it's also necessary instruction because it is clear from Jesus' instruction, from Jesus' teaching, even regarding the spirit of truth who abides with us and dwells in us, that this world is temporary, if you will. And that the spirit who dwells with and in us is a spirit who is preparing us For our eternal dwelling with God. Another way to say all of this. Is that when we think of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We must obviously think in terms of the teaching of scripture. And the teaching of scripture is that the spirit is sent. To give us Christ, to guide us unto Christ, and to guard us even until the day of Christ. He gives us Christ. He guides us in Christ and guards us until the day of Christ. And he does all of this because the ultimate purpose for which the Spirit was sent is to glorify Christ in this way. The Catechism touches upon this and summarizes the teaching of Scripture by telling us in this question and answer, question 52, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that he is true and co-eternal God with the eternal father and the son. Second, that he is also given unto me to make me partaker of Christ and all his benefits through a true faith to comfort me and to abide with me forever. Here, the person and work of the spirit is spoken of in terms of not only what he does for us, for me, but ultimately what he does for me, for us, for all true believers with respect to Christ. He makes me a partaker of Christ. The Holy Spirit then is necessary for us to know not only spiritually and in truth, but necessary for us to know and understand something of his work, lest we rob ourselves of the comfort and the assurance that he brings to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, several weeks ago, we gave some thought to what the catechism teaches and what the scriptures teach concerning the person of Christ. When the Lord Jesus speaks of him here as another comforter, we saw that Jesus does not mean someone or something that is created, but one who comes from the Father and the Son, who is one with them, who dwells, that is, as true and living God, just as the Father and the Son, indeed with the Father and the Son, and one who even does the works of God. This work of comfort. We noticed that he is indeed, as the catechism teaches, true and co-eternal God. With the Father and the Son. But today we want to think of his work. Today we want to think... And consider what the scriptures teach. And again the catechism summarizes regarding the mission of the Holy Spirit. That mission of glorifying Christ. By giving us Christ. Guiding us in Christ. And guarding us in Christ. The Spirit Glorifies Christ by giving us Christ notice three things in particular first of all in a, a general and overall sense the Holy Spirit is given by Christ to apply Christ and his benefits to us the Catechism says that The Spirit is given unto me to make me partaker of Christ and all his benefits through a true faith. The Spirit is the one who in our life and in our experience calls us out of that state of sin and misery into which we are born and in which we live by virtue of Adam's sin, he calls us out of that state and into a state of grace and union with Jesus Christ. He is sent. He is given. He's not only sent Into the world, as the scriptures teach, at Pentecost, sent as it were at the founding or with respect to the founding of the New Testament church, but he is sent, given to each and every one. Whom Christ calls to himself. The spirit, in fact, is the means by which Christ calls us into fellowship with himself. And he is the one who affects that calling. And in a certain respect is the substance of that calling. Because Christ gives the spirit to dwell in us. We see this connection specifically in Paul's teaching in Galatians chapter four. We see it in several places throughout the scriptures, but we see it there with a, a particular force as he connects Christ's coming into the world, being born of a woman born under the law, and Christ's work of redemption, being born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law. He connects that great work of the Lord Jesus Christ to the sending of the Spirit into our hearts. He says, even there, that what Christ did then and there in the fullness of time was done so that we might receive the adoption of sons. The blessing and benefit of. Salvation, the blessing and benefit of redemption, the blessing and benefit of that inheritance that is to be found in Christ and Christ alone. What was done and accomplished by Christ then and there in the fullness of time, in some way, in some measure, has been granted unto us in this adoption of sons. And verse 6 says, And because ye are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, the way in which Paul speaks there is not to the effect of saying that, well, now you're sons, and at some point later on, in a separate blessing, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. But the two are one. With adoption comes the Spirit. With the Spirit comes adoption. With calling. With adoption comes the Spirit. Even as the Spirit is the one who affects that calling and adoption. The Spirit then is given to me. He's given to you, dear believer. He's given to me. He is sent into your heart, into my heart. And as He is given, And as he makes his home, as it were, he makes us a partaker of Christ and all of his benefits. Everything, everything that Jesus Christ has done for us is given to us in the giving of the Spirit to us. And again, this is expressed quite simply with great brevity and force by the Lord Jesus when he says to his disciples that he will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may be with you forever. Another comforter. Jesus is a comforter. And by comforter, he means deliverer, redeemer, mediator. Not that the spirit is the mediator between God and man. That title is in certain ways unique to Christ as the incarnate one. But by another comforter, we're told here that there is one who will be given one who will be with us forever. So that Christ may be with us forever, so that the father may be with us forever, so that we may dwell with God forever. By this one. And by his work. He is another comforter, then, in the sense that he takes what is Christ's and applies it to those who belong to Christ. He takes what is Christ's and gives it to those who belong. To Christ, He takes the teachings of Christ, verse 26 of John chapter 14. But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said unto you. Verse 26 of chapter 15, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall bear witness of me. He will teach the disciples, and certainly what's in view here, at least in part, is the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost and his empowering them. proclaim Christ to the nations but the same spirit is the one who enlightens all of Christ's sheep and gives them the knowledge of Christ the spirit teaches but the Spirit teaches effectually in such a way, even that with the Spirit comes all of the benefits of Jesus Christ. He even is said in chapter 16 of John that the Comforter who comes chapter 16 and verse 8, when he has come, will convict the world in respect of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father, and ye behold me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world hath been judged. And while all of that seems to be a negative something the Spirit comes to do relative to the world, this work of conviction with respect of sin, righteousness, and judgment has a, we might say, positive effect. For those who are convicted of sin, convicted of righteousness, convicted of judgment, even as the Spirit... Who Jesus says later on, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He shall guide you into all the truth. For He shall not speak from Himself, but what things soever He shall hear, these shall He speak, and He shall declare unto you the things that are to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall take of mine, and shall declare it unto you. And this declaration is not a mere verbal pronouncement. But it is an effectual application to the hearts of those who were once dead in sin outside of Christ, rebels. And they, by the Spirit, the Spirit who takes the things of Christ and declares them, by that Spirit, they are changed made alive, called out of sin and into fellowship with Jesus Christ, grafted into the vine as one of his branches and as a branch that abides in him and bears much fruit, to use the language of chapter 15. If we had the time, and we could read all that Jesus says here in John chapter chapters 14, 15, and 16, and even 17, we would see precisely something of the what it is he's talking about here that the Spirit is the one who by taking his things and giving them to us glorifies Him. And we would see that this consists for us not only in coming to an intellectual understanding of who Jesus is and what He does. But it consists of an actually, spiritually being brought into saving union with Christ, such that all the things that are Christ's are given to the Spirit, such that as the Spirit gives them to or comes to us, He gives all of those things to us. Everything that Christ has done for us is given to us as the Spirit is given. To us, He makes us a partaker of Christ and all of His benefits. He applies to us Christ and His benefits. Would we know deliverance from sin? Then we must know Christ and that deliverance which He alone brings. But the Spirit, the Spirit brings that deliverance to us as He brings us to Christ, as He has given to us. Would we know? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Would we know that righteousness which alone can avail for one who is guilty before God for sin? Then we must know Christ and his righteousness, and to know Christ and his righteousness. The Spirit must be given. Would we know? Would we know even on the last day what it is to come before the judge and instead of hearing, depart from me, I never knew you. Go to my left, as it were. Would we hear? Those welcoming words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Receive the crown of life I have prepared for you. Then we must know Christ. And to know Christ, the spirit must be given. And brethren, the spirit has been given. Jesus says, I will intercede for you in such a way. With such power and efficacy. That the father and I will give you the spirit. Will give you another comforter. It's one of the beautiful things about. The work of the triune God for us and for our salvation. It is that it is so powerful. It is so gracious that when Christ intercedes on our behalf, the Father, we might say, is pleased to give Another comforter. So that we. Who deserve it not. Are given. Christ. And in being given Christ. We have a heavenly home. In. The father's. House in his Father's house. Jesus might have departed from his disciples as the incarnate one. But he did not leave because he gave the spirit. And he gave the spirit to us. And he has given the Spirit to me, to you, dear believer, to make you a partaker of everything that he did. Even giving to you an eternal heavenly home in God's presence. Jesus teaches us that the spirit, his work is one of application. He applies Christ and his benefits to us. Secondly, Jesus teaches us that the spirit in particular, and this is included as one of the benefits of Christ, but Jesus draws attention to it in a particular way here, that the Spirit, His work is also one of assurance. He applies Christ and all of His benefits to us, but the Spirit's work is also one in a particular and specific way of assuring Christ's disciples that not only is His teaching True, but also that his presence and his benefits and his blessings belong to us. Jesus intercedes. And as the fruit of his intercession, he gives, the Father that is, gives another comforter. Comfort, assurance. Comfort and assurance that for the disciples was significant in the context of their particular calling remember that Jesus is in one respect preparing his disciples for their ministry, for their calling as apostles, for their work as it relates to the foundation of the church. Christ building his church gives to them the spirit of truth to assure them To comfort them with the truth that they are proclaiming. That that is indeed truth. Life changing truth. Indeed even comfort and assurance. That they were not left desolate. In what Jesus was calling them to do. That Jesus, though he was no longer physically, locally present with them, was nevertheless through them building his church. They were called to be witnesses of Christ, to bear witness to him. In a particular way. And we see that work unfold throughout. The acts of the apostles. But this work is undertaken. Specifically by the spirit. Who in fulfillment. Of Christ's words here. And in fulfillment of even. The word of the prophets. Particularly the prophecy of Joel. Is poured out so that not just those from the seed of Abraham might believe, not just Jews, but also Gentiles. You and I, those from among the nations who have been called to Jesus Christ by His Word and Spirit, we are evidence and fruit of this assurance and comfort that Jesus gave to his disciples 2,000 years ago. We are a proof, a demonstration of the truth of these words. The Spirit assures the disciples, that their undertaking is unto the building of the church by Jesus Christ. And if we have been called to Christ and grafted into Him, made a living stone in His temple, in His house, then even our lives attest to the truth. But so also, Is there assurance given to us? Comfort given to us? Not necessarily that we have a role and a function like the disciples, the apostles. But assurance that the word of the gospel that is preached to us. That the apostolic gospel of Christ that is proclaimed to us is true. And that as we have the Spirit, as the Spirit has been given to us, we too, we too have comfort. In this world of weariness, in this world of woe, In a world of sin and misery, as we are waiting for Christ to come again, Christ has not left us desolate. He has given us his spirit, and the spirit comforts us. He comforts us with the truth that in life and in death, in body and in soul, we belong to Christ. And we will dwell with Christ forever. He is the Spirit who assures us that He abides with us and is in us. He assures us that the scriptures are true. He assures us that his work is true. He assures us that he himself is the earnest and down payment of eternity, of that heavenly inheritance that is to be found in Christ, in Christ alone. So the Spirit applies Christ and his benefits to us. The Spirit assures us not only of the truth of Christ and his work for us, but assures us as he dwells in us that we will live forever with God. But thirdly and finally this morning, the Spirit's work is one of abiding. This language of abiding is... Significant. And Jesus uses it throughout his upper room discourse, his upper room instruction. And it has significance with respect to not only our abiding in Christ, he uses it to speak of how it is we live. In following Christ, but it has significance with respect to His living with us. The Spirit is said, even here, by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit whom the world cannot receive. Because it beholds him not, neither knows him not. This spirit, you know him. For he abides with you. He makes his home with you. And he makes his home with you in such a way that your home is no longer this world. But your home is the Son and the Father. Your home is God Himself. Your dwelling is with God. The significance of this language of abiding is such that it teaches us that when the Spirit is sent into our hearts. When Jesus prays the Father, when He intercedes on our behalf, which He has at Calvary, when He intercedes and makes satisfaction for us, and when He and the Father send the Spirit and give the Spirit to us, they are giving us themselves God himself is coming to dwell with us such that our home, our abiding, our dwelling, our living is no longer in this world. But is, we might say, in God. Not that we are sort of swallowed up into God in a kind of, pantheistic sense. But in the sense that Paul talks about in Colossians 3 that our lives are hid with Christ in God. Yes, we still live in this world. But our home is with God. There's nothing in a a temporal sense, there's nothing quite like home. And I know there are those who have difficult home life growing up. But I think As I know you. Most of you. Probably enjoy. At least some aspect of your. Your home. It's not just your house. Or your condo. But it's your home. You've spent time on it. You've made it unique to you. I'm sure there's aspects of it that you don't enjoy and things that need to be fixed and whatnot. But it's home. You go there. It's a place of respite. You can block out the noise of your job, the noise of the world. It's home. The Spirit makes us makes you his home so that your home forever might be God. There's your place of respite and peace and calm. Not just as you navigate life in this fallen world, God is not merely an instrument to navigate life. But God is your home forever. You, by the Spirit, know now, in part, what you will know in fullness someday. Living with God. Forever, beholding the face of God in Christ forever. The father and the son give the spirit so that by the spirit through Christ, we might have a home with father, son, and Holy Spirit this is what it means for the spirit to abide with you and dwell in you. He is making you fit for heaven. And not just heaven in some ethereal sense, but he's making you fit as a citizen of heaven to live with God Forever, To dwell in the presence of God, our Savior, forever and ever, declaring along with all of the hosts of heaven, honor, glory, and blessing to the Lord and to the Lamb. We know this in part now. We know it by the Spirit who gives us Christ and gives us faith. But one day we shall know it by sight. The Spirit applies Christ and his benefits to us. He assures you of Christ and his benefits, and he abides with you now so that you, so that I might abide with God forever. So where is home, dear believer? I would even ask of you If you are outside of Christ, where is home? The reality is there is no home for your restless soul apart from your creator, apart from God. And home is to be found with him through Christ and the Spirit. And dear believer, this is your home. As you leave here today, as you take up the work that God gives you throughout the week, don't think that this is it. Contemplate what the Father and the Son have given to you. Contemplate the Spirit. Reflect upon His work in your life and see that He is making you fit for home with god let's pray